Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, church. You guys just look good. You know what? <laughs> You're real, just an encouragement just to see you. And I uh, just thank God for every single one of you. Well, uh, we're going to continue to make our way through the Advent wreath uh, in our Sunday morning services in Advent. And uh, you, may, you may recall that last week we lit the first candle, which is called the prophecy candle, that celebrates all the many prophecies that were made about Jesus for centuries before he came and how he, he perfectly fulfilled them all. Well, today as we move on to the second candle, we move to the, what's, in, uh, what's called the candle of preparation. And... Uh, it really, really focuses on the message of John the Baptist who said, prepare the way for the Lord. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Prepare the way for the Lord. And, um, you know, uh, there are so many ways that we can, of course, prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord. And uh, uh, in, our, in our daily walk with him, we continue to prepare, don't we? And just start to clear stuff away, clear stuff away, clear stuff away. This is a great time as we move toward Christmas just to say, Lord, can you just kind of bring in, in some cases, you know, the, the, the broom and the dustpan, in some cases the, the bush hog mower, in some cases the skid steer, <laughs> in some cases the bulldozer. <laughs> can you just come in and clear away the things that are standing between, in any way, between you and me? You know, as we just celebrated communion together. That's such a wonderful way to prepare ourselves, isn't it? Just for more of the Lord in our lives. Well, I have a special treat for you this morning. In just a moment, Pastor Chase is going to come and bring the message today. I'm very excited about that. Yep. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and prepare. Father, we bow before you in the mighty name of Jesus. We bow before you, clinging to the words, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. And so as we bow together now, we prepare our hearts. We just uh, let go of our hearts. We let go and ask you to come and to move in us in mighty ways. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Tom. Right here. It was 2016, Leslie and I were living in Chicago, Illinois. I was serving as a student pastor and worship leader at a small church in Wheaton, Wheaton, Illinois. And Lottie, our daughter, was four months old, just a little cutie. She's still cute. Um, but she was four months old and even cuter, if you can imagine that. And uh, she was in the backseat. I was driving a 2000 Subaru Outback. And she was in the backseat, and like every good father should, I was doing a really good job of being a safe driver, all right? I was driving the speed limit, not going too fast, not going too slow. I was, man, patting myself on the back, doing a good job. I got to a red light and needed to turn right. I did not turn right on red because I got a four-month-old in the back, and I just want to be cautious. Well, the car behind me must have thought I was turning right because crash, I got rear-ended, and I'm like, oh, man, I've not really been in any wrecks, thankfully. Um, so I'm like, oh, man, uh, the, 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 the car behind us pushed us through the intersection. Thankfully, the other car had passed. Um, but uh, I went and pulled over. And wouldn't you know it, the car behind me kept going. Oh, I know. And it kept going. 
And it kept going. You know the scene in Star Wars where it's like the undershot of the Star Carrier and it just like kept going? And in Spaceballs, it's like eight minutes longer than that. Well, this car kept, it was a limo. It kept going. A limo had rear-ended me and my four-month-old daughter. Can you believe that? Ruined my 2000 Subaru Outback. Not really. That car is made out of the material I think black boxes were made of and airplanes. Uh, nothing was going to destroy that car. Um, but I was okay, my daughter was okay, and I was just so upset that that car kept going. So I thankfully saw the license plate, wrote it down, uh, made sure Lottie was okay. She stayed asleep, thankfully. Called the cops. Uh, I could still open my trunk, and it wasn't, there was really no, no damage, thankfully. Um, so aside from just being frustrated and all out of sorts from, from that happening, we just kind of went on our way. I thought that was it. Well, a couple weeks later, I got a phone call from the local court system. Hey, is this Chase Smith, owner of the 2000 Subaru Outback? Yeah. Um, we'd like for you to come in. We found the driver of the limousine for you to, uh, you know, go to court and possible, possibly press charges. And I was like, oh, boy, this is new. Never done this before. Um, but I, I wasn't really thinking, I guess, long term. I was just, like, so upset that this person kept driving. I didn't want them to do it again. So we get to the courtroom, and, and, and this driver of the limousine meets me outside of the doors. Um, I don't know how he knew I was there for him, um, but he wanted to see what I was going to do, if I was going to press charges, if I was going to, uh, you know, ruin his, his life and, and his, take his job. Um, and I said, look, man, um, I just don't want you to do that again. I, you know, I have a daughter in the back. She could have been hurt. Um, you, you didn't really check to see if we were okay, and plus it's against the law to hit and run. Just, just don't do that again. And he was kind of confused a little bit um, and said, well, can I offer you free limo rides? And I said, no, no, just, just don't do that again. And, and I think the judge uh, that day was just as confused as that driver was. He was like, well, you don't want to do anything? Uh, and, I, and I said, no, I just don't want this guy to do that again. And they said, okay, well, we can get out of my court. I got eight other things to go over then. So we left, and that was it. That was the end of that story. And I'm sure that that limo driver uh, did a little rejoicing that day. Um, I, and I don't know what he did after that. I, I, I just know that that day um, he was free to go. Um, and, and this morning we're going to start our Advent series here at Grove City Vineyard called A Weary World Rejoices. Say that with me, A Weary World world, that's kind of hard to say, huh? A weary world rejoices. Uh, it's from one of my favorite Advent songs, O Holy Night, and this is the line, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Uh, th there's no doubt about it. We seem to be living in a weary world today, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. All right. We agree on staff with the COVID cases, non-existent social life, working from home, loss of jobs, sick family, loss of loved ones, the anxiety, and maybe you've done this, like, oh, I have a rash on my knee. Is that a COVID symptom? Like every single thing you feel like might be wrong with you, you have to check if that's a COVID symptom. A, a, a truly weary world we're living in. And yet in our weariness, church, we can say there is hope, a thrill of hope to be exact. And this is what the gospel offers us after all, a new and glorious morn comes the next day because Christ is born. Church, there is hope in this weary world. In this Advent season, we wanted to recognize the weary world, but also point us toward the hope found in Christ. And as I was preparing the, uh, the message this week, I kept coming back to this limo driver. 
And it wasn't until later that I realized that I, really I, I kind of held this dude's career, at least with this company. Who knows if they check histories. Like I, I held this dude's career kind of in my hand. And I, and I had the, uh, the power and authority and every right to say, yeah, I don't want this guy to drive again. Maybe that should have been the safer thing to do. Um, I don't know what he's doing today. But, but that day, I didn't. That day, I chose to show mercy and grace. Now, I know this is a situation that um, doesn't happen often in a court system, having like the literal power to uh, give someone sentence. Um, but every single day, we are faced with other situations where we have a choice. Today, am I going to, to bring mercy and grace, or am I going to bring judgment and wrath? Today, will I bring peace, or will I bring hostility? Maybe someone put the dishes in the dishwasher wrong. Maybe they weren't supposed to dry someone's shirt a certain way, or they may have left the toilet seat up, and I promise those aren't all about me. Uh, well, maybe they are, I don't know. Uh, maybe they always leave the kitchen cabinets open. Um, maybe they didn't pick the leaves up in the yard, and now the yard's frozen, and you can't pick up leaves. Every single day, we have choices to make. Are we going to bring mercy and grace, or are we going to bring um, hostility and judgment? In these moments, whether big or small, um, we do have a choice in our response, church. And, and this decision is central to the gospel. It's central to the life of Christ and church, it plays a key role in the birth of Christ. Um, and uh, this morning, we're going to, to look exactly where that moment takes place. We're going to read it. We're going to understand why, and we're going to see how that is so. This is one of the passages that we're going to read. We're, in, we're going to be in Matthew. If you guys have your Bibles, your apps, you can go and open those up. Matthew chapter 1. We read this every, every year. Um, and this is one of those passages where you read it, and, and maybe you think as you're reading it, well, that sounds odd, or... Man, I don't know why that is there. Not sure what that means, but okay, we're going to continue reading. And that's okay. But, but listen, listen, we believe everything is in the Bible is for a reason, and it has a purpose. And in church, if you're reading the Bible and something seems odd or weird or something doesn't make sense or something seems wrong or something seems contradictory to what you thought it said, that is worth looking into, and it's worth investigating and emailing Pastor Christian. He will help you with that. Um, because we believe here at Grave City Vineyard that the Bible is the, the fully inspired Word of God and the fully inerrant Word of God. And that means that essentially God wrote this book and that there's um, nothing wrong. There are no mistakes with the Word of God. Um, so when we get to passages like this that might seem a little odd or weird, it's okay to ask why, and it's fun to find out why. So let's read this, and then we'll figure some of this stuff out here. Matthew 1, 18, verse 25 says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to ex expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. 
But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. A weary world indeed, Joseph finds out that his fiancée, who's supposed to be a virgin and, and, and pledged to be his, is pregnant. Yikes. Man, bad news. Weary world indeed. It's setting up like, like, a, like a Hallmark Christmas movie, right? A young couple engaged to be married, visited by an angel, and it wrecks their holiday plans. I just feel like it's on TV right now. Um, and if, uh, um, if you really, uh, it's not really how that's supposed to work. You see, um, a, a, a pregnant virgin kind of contradicts itself. And if you don't understand those, that's a sermon for a different series. Um, but I, I just can't imagine the hurt and pain if we can try to be in Joseph's shoes just, just for a moment, how Joseph might be feeling. Maybe some of you have had to walk through the valley of an unfaithful spouse or infidelity and, and the hurt and the anguish and the worthlessness one might feel. The trust issues this would create. A, a, a pregnant virgin, this, this, this doesn't add up. We are supposed to save each other for this incredible time, and, and, and now it seems, according to Joseph, in, this, in, in these moments, that wasn't the case. This is troublesome for a couple reasons, and Joseph knew right away what this meant for himself and for Mary. And one of the verses we're going to look into is verses 19. We're going to lean into this a little bit this morning. Verse 19 tells us a lot, and, and really not a lot, at the same time. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. That's kind of odd, right? In this feel-good Christmas story, that, that's kind of weird. Yeah? So the question we may have is, well, what, what does the law say? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to uh, be in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Because remember, um, when, when the people were living here in the ancient Near East, um, they didn't have the New Testament written yet. They were living in, in the... New Testament, and, and they, they were all very familiar, though, with what was written in the Old Testament. And what this verse refers to is Joseph was faithful to the law. That means he was faithful to the law of the Old Testament, the first five books of the Old Testament, um, the Torah. And this specific law that he was faithful and obedient to and understood very, very good and well what this meant for him and Mary is found in Deuteronomy 22. And we're going to connect this verse to this Advent story here, Matthew 20, um, in Deuteronomy 22, 13 through 15, and then again in 20 through 21. Listen to what this means for Mary specifically. If a man takes a wife and after sleeping with her dislikes her and slanders her and gives her a bad name saying, I married this woman, but when I approached her I did not find proof of her virginity, then the young woman's father and mother shall bring her to the town elders at the gate proof that she was a virgin. If, however, the charge is true, and no proof of the young woman's virginity can be found, she shall be brought to the door of her father's house, and there the men of her town shall stone her to death. She has done an outrageous thing in Israel by being promiscuous while still in her father's house. You must purge the evil from among you. Um, I'm the student pastor here, and I would encourage you handling your students like this. Um, but Joseph knew, knew good and well, like this does not bode well for Mary. Um, this would bring shame upon me, shame upon her family. And, and th this means like Mary, according to law, is subject to death. Joseph had every right to turn her into to her parents, 
to a public of sorts kind of trial, and then death by stoning. This helps us understand his actions a little bit more clearly this morning, maybe understanding a little bit why he decided to leave her quietly in the night. That would have saved her life. Um, And some embarrassment. Um, Come on, everyone with your best awe voice. Aw, Joseph was going to divorce her quietly so Mary wouldn't be stoned to death. Aw, come on. Aw. (laughs) Right, Joseph seems to be doing the honorable thing. Joseph's actions were one of mercy and grace in this moment. Joseph knew that according to law, Mary deserved, deserved death. And Joseph didn't want that for her. Joseph was responding to this moment in mercy and in grace. Mercy by sparing Mary's life when all accounts, up until this point, verse 19 and 20, she deserved death. And with grace by going to have to leave her in the night to avoid embarrassment. Church, we'd be doing Advent a disservice if we didn't take time to recognize that Jesus' life began with mercy and grace. From the time in the womb, that would kind of um, set the framework for all of his actions all throughout the gospel, even to the cross, it began before he was even born. Now that's pretty cool, huh? Starting with mercy and grace. Adding this to the Deuteronomy context makes a little bit more sense. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. And then verse 20, but after he had considered this. You know, this was Joseph's plan to take note of his actions here because it wasn't until Joseph had decided to spare Mary's life that in fact the angel did come and filled Joseph in on kind of what the bigger picture was. And church, could, could it be th- that God is waiting to see how we consider responding or what our actions are or where our heart is before he reveals to us maybe some of the bigger picture? In our decisions and reactions, are we leading with mercy and grace? Church, what blessings and in- intimacy with God await us if we respond with ad- to our uh, adversity and adversaries with mercy and grace? What are we missing out on because we don't lead with mercy and grace, as Joseph did right here in Matthew 1.18. Are we, are we responding harshly? Are we taking matter into our own hands? Do we say, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be the judge and executioner? Church, what blessings and intimacy are we missing out on? Because we don't have mercy and grace. I don't think it's a coincidence that it wasn't until we considered this that then the angel said, yo, check this out. He was visited by an angel, uh, verse 20, and the angel, I'm going to use a, uh, um, a, a verb here. The angel, Lee Corso's Joseph. Do you guys know who Lee Corso is? Not so fast, my friend, at college football, right? The angel, Lee Corso's Joseph, and says, not so fast, my friend. The angel tells Joseph, do not be afraid. What is conceived in her is not from man, but from the Holy Spirit. Reminds me of an angel meme I've seen on the internet, and it's going to be on the screen here. Um, that says this, there are some really wacky interpretations of angels in the Old Testament. And they always say, do not be afraid. And the man says, sir, this is the scariest moment of my life. <laughs> right? And if you don't, don't know what a meme is, a meme, um, imagine like the newspaper in the comic section, right? The comics, it's always a lot of fun reading in the Sunday paper. It's just one panel of the comic section, but that one panel is taken from pop culture. 
That's what a meme is. Now, please don't go explaining to your uh, kids or your nephews or your grandkids what a meme is that way because that won't help your cause at all. But that's kind of what, what, what a meme is. Um, the, angel tells, the angel tells Joseph, do not be afraid. And, and this is the only similarity we find in, in the Matthew account of the birth of Jesus and, and the Luke account is that this angel told both um, Joseph and, and Mary, do not be afraid. Do not, and I have to believe, church, that in this weary world, the same comfort is being said to us right now at this very moment. Well, I, I just t- tested positive. Do not be afraid. They're, they're cutting jobs at work. Do not be afraid. I'm, I'm still single, and holidays are really hard. Do not be afraid. My, my parents or my sisters or brothers, or they might have to move in with us, and, or I might have to move back in with them. Do not be afraid. All my kids' schooling is virtual, and, and they're three weeks behind, and I'm behind at work, and i got to stay home now, and, 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 and. Church, do not be afraid. One of my favorite themes of Advent, and really the entire Bible, is, is this promise, is this comfort. Do not be afraid. We see it time and time again, from the Old to the New Testament. We see it in Joshua, following Moses, kind of a, a legendary leader, right? He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Jesus uses these same words all the time on several occasions throughout his ministry. We think of the woman at the tomb right after he was resurrected. Do not be afraid. And here, this, this promise to Joseph. Joseph, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of the angel. Don't be afraid of me. Joseph, don't be afraid of your neighbor's opinions or what people might think. Joseph, don't be afraid of, 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 what, of what the law says. Don't be afraid of the Old, Old Testament law. Joseph, don't, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And Joseph, since you're not afraid, and since I'm telling you don't, don't to be afraid, name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus will save his people from their sins with the very same mercy and grace used to spare his life. Matthew, the writer of this book, interjects here as we get to the end of our passage um, in verse 22 to tell us that all of this is happening to fulfill what the prophecies foretold. Um, The fulfillment of prophecy is is very important to Matthew. He mentions um, that phrase or all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah or whoever. He says this 11 times throughout 28 chapters, okay? Three times in chapter 2 alone. This is very important um, to Matthew, and that's because Matthew's target audience was this Jewish audience, this very um, hyper-specific demographic of Jewish people who were deeply steeped in Old Testament law, as Joseph was, very familiar with the prophecies told, um, and they were all anxiously awaiting a Messiah, yes, one who would crush the Roman Empire uh, with a mighty army and bring back the glory of their ancestors, military strength, wealth, resources, charisma. They were ready for that kind of leader, for that kind of promised Messiah. And, And Matthew knows this. And Matthew also knows how the life of Jesus ends on a cross. And so throughout this gospel, Matthew, the writer, interjects, kind of like as if it's a narrator, to say, see, this is where the Old Testament points to Jesus of Nazareth. See, this is where the Old Testament is saying Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah, is the Christ, is God. 
in the flesh. See, everyone, this is where this says Jesus is God. Matthew continues by focusing on another uh, very prominent Jewish tradition, that has, what has to do with names. Um, and theme that's very appealing to this audience. The angel already told Joseph to name the baby Jesus, a very, very popular boy's name back in the ancient Near East, translated to Joshua because of that exact reason. Joshua followed Moses and brought those people to the promised land. They wanted to honor and recognize and celebrate that. Jesus um, translated as, uh, in Hebrew is Joshua. Joshua had led the Israelites into the promised land after Moses. We mentioned that earlier. And, and we cannot miss the connection here. And this is another really cool nugget for this morning. Um, Joshua led their people from, uh, to freedom from Egyptian rule and to the promised land. But, but Jesus will be leading people to freedom from their sin and to heavenly glory. And the angel wanted Joseph to know that. He will save their people from their sins. As Joshua saved their people into the promised land, Jesus will save his people from their sin. And Matthew certainly didn't miss his connection either because he adds on top of that a prophecy from Isaiah. It says in verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel is mentioned in Isaiah 7:14 and 8, 8. And, and this name is opposite of, of, of Jesus, Joseph. It's not given really to any, anyone else. This is a unique name. And, and, and Matthew here is reminding the Jewish people that God has not forgotten them and that God has a plan. Matthew here is connecting the old with the new. And, and this, is, this is so cool. Matthew frames, frames his entire gospel with this promise that God is with us. We see in Matthew 1.23... Uh, and you will call him Emmanuel, that God is with us. And then again in Matthew 28, 20, it says this, I am with you to the very end of the age. So here Matthew is reminding this people that, hey, he will save you as Joshua did, and he's always going to be there with you. And in case you forgot, I'm going to bookend my gospel with that very same promise, I will be with you to the very end of the age. I told you when he was born, he's going to be with you. And here Jesus is saying, as you go, make disciples and share my name and baptize and teach to the ends of the earth, I will be with you. How cool is that? What a promise. Amen, church? These two names together, Joshua and Emmanuel, express the meaning of the gospel. Jesus will save you from your sins, and God will always, always be with you. No matter the issue, Church, no matter the sin, the embarrassment, the guilt, the shame, Jesus has it covered. And no matter how bleak, how far, how gone, how faint it may feel, God is always there. God's love has no limits. God's love has no conditions. God can redeem you. God is with you right now, and God is going to be with you until the very end of the age. This is the thrill of hope. And this is why the weary world rejoices. And this is why a new and glorious morn breaks and we can praise the Lord. And even in the midst of, of a weary world and all these things that are going on, we can still rejoice and find hope because Jesus, Emmanuel. Amen? Amen. So to your new symptoms that just started late last night, to the three weeks worth of school you may be behind on, 
to the office project that you have no clue how you're going to get done or get completed because of online hamstrings, to the dwindling savings account. Do not be afraid. God is with you. I am with you always. That through it all, Jesus saves and God is there. And to think, it could have all been for naught if Joseph didn't show mercy and grace. As we all play our part in the season of Advent and the message of Jesus Emmanuel, Jesus saves and God is there, may we begin by showing mercy and grace. May we begin by showing mercy and grace through adversity and to our adversaries. And church, may we cling to the promise of Jesus Emmanuel in this weary world. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, maybe for the hundredth time we read these passages in Matthew. And Lord, it is our prayer that it's like we read them for the first time right now together. That your word takes on new meaning, your word takes on new life. And then we can find these messages of, of mercy and grace. We can find these messages of Jesus, Emmanuel, of salvation. We can find these messages, God, that you are always there with us. Lord, I pray that we store those in our heart. That this Advent season, we, bring, we be bringers of mercy and grace and not wrath and judgment. And that maybe by leading with mercy and grace, God, we, we, we may be drawn closer to you than any, like any other Advent season before. That this conscious decision, this conscious effort to be mercy bringers and grace bringers, God, would draw us closer to your truth and closer to who you are. Lord, and may our, the mercy and grace that we bring shape us into who you want us to be. And Father, dear Father, may we know what your mercy and your grace feels like in our hearts and in our lives. May we share this mercy and grace, Father, because we know what that feels like for us. Father, we have responsibility, God, to share your love, to share your salvation. And so in those moments of, oh man, now I got to respond. How am I going to do that? Lord, may your spirit speak to us. In this Advent season, may we bring mercy and grace, even if it hurts, even if people don't deserve it. God, because we, 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 we didn't deserve it, that's for sure. God, thank you for your promises. Thank you for sending your son to this earth to walk as we have walked, to live as we have lived, to suffer, to die on the cross. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we believe in you, and we trust in you. And it's in your name that we pray together this morning. And everyone says, and would you please stand as we uh, worship us one last time together?